This morning, I'd like to ask you a question through a story. Now, this is not original to me. I heard this story question from a gentleman by the name of Canon J. John. And the question story goes like this. You're walking along a long pathway. And you come to a fork in the road. And you're uncertain how to arrive at the destination that you're seeking and not knowing which of the two paths that you are to take. But on one path, there's a dead man lying on the road. And on the other path, there's a live person. Which one would you ask direction? Now, it may seem like an odd question, but it seems that in life, a lot of people ask the dead people for the answer to that question. They will listen to dead philosophers and dead people who started religions and denominations. And yet we are here today to celebrate someone who, yes, died, but rose again. And so it seems to me that the appropriate person to ask these questions is Jesus, because he's alive. So one of the scriptures, I, there's three different scriptures I want to share with us today as we celebrate what the world calls Easter and what um, many of us call first fruits. The fact that Jesus did arise from the dead, and so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives an, a, an account of not just the few people that saw Jesus in most of the telling of the Easter story. We talk about the women who go to the tomb and about the disciples who follow later. It also talks about the Roman guards who went to the authorities to let them know that Jesus rose from the dead. Paul, a few years later, gives this account. Now I make to known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you have believed it in vain. For I deliver to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He was raised at, on the third day according to the Scriptures. The first testimony of the resurrection of Jesus is the Scriptures. The Scriptures tells us how the Messiah was to live, die, be buried, and on the third day rise again. The Scriptures bear testimony to that. As a matter of fact, there will be another person in the future who will suffer a mortal head wound and will rise again, but he's not the Messiah. So the Scriptures tells us the first witness is God's Word itself. And then it says this, And then he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. 
And he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And the last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So many times when you hear people talk about the resurrection, they seem to limit it to the women at the tomb and maybe a few disciples. Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection being with his disciples at various times. And as Paul accounts, at one time he appeared to about 500 people and most of them were still alive. The resurrection of Jesus was a fact that was made testimony by numerous people. It took place in the place that he died. It wasn't about, oh, well, somewhere in Rome, somebody started saying, well, Jesus rose from the dead. No, the fact that he rose from the dead took place in Jerusalem where he died and rose again. So there are factual aspects to the resurrection. We can talk about other proofs that the Holy Spirit, we can talk to proofs about the, how the change of those disciples who were men who were timid and afraid to men who were willing to die for their resurrected Lord. But there are other testimonies as well. One of those is me. As we sang in that one song, My God is not dead, he's surely alive, he's in the inside. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that Jesus is alive. And so we need to understand who to listen to when we ask the question. Now, as you who have heard me before know that I tend to be a little different, I'm going to talk a little different about on this resurrection day. For this day, the whole Christian world celebrates Jesus' resurrection as they ought to. But then again, if you're a true believer, every day is a celebration of the resurrection. But there's another resurrection that I want to talk to you about. So I want to take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. And it says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Paul tells us we were and are spiritually dead. And that there's no distinction between those of us who are believers and those of us who are not believers. We were all dead. We all lived according to our desires, to our, the thoughts of our minds and the desires of our flesh. That's what we were in it all about. That we were dead. Verse 4, but. Usually when you hear the word but, it's uh-oh. It's usually, you're such a nice person, but. You make such a great point, but. And whenever you hear that but, you know that whatever was just said, discount, because now they're going to really tell you what they think of you. But this but is different. 
But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even we when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Paul is telling us that we were dead, but God, because of his great love and his grace, caused us to be made alive. Now, I want you to think about that. How does a dead person become alive again? Nothing that they can do, because they're dead. In the same way, Paul is telling us, spiritually, we are dead. But it was God who made us alive. And God made us alive not because we did certain great works. And we don't keep our salvation because of certain great works, but that God made us alive because of his love and his grace. And how is it that we know that we have received this grace? Because he gave us faith. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. That no one may boast. So my faith that I have, I can't even boast about because it was given to me by Christ. My life, my spiritual awakening is not because I woke up out of death and became alive, but God made me alive. So we celebrate today that Jesus was rose from the dead, but we also ought to resurrect. Chin Sunday also ought to speak to us that says, yes, I also was dead, but I'm now alive. The last verse that I want us to take a look at is one that is at least a couple of verses within this context is well known. And this is where I go back to the question. If you're on a path and you don't know where to go and you see a dead man or a person who is alive, who are you going to ask for directions? Nicodemus is going to ask for direction. In John chapter 3, it says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night. Notice, this man was a religious authority. He was a theologian. He was a person that people looked up to when it came to religious matters. So much so, they had to come to Jesus by night because he didn't want the rest of his people to understand that he was seeking directions. He said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is telling him, you're dead. You're dead spiritually. I don't care whether you're 
you have all these degrees in, in religious studies. The point is, are you alive or dead? In order to be made alive, you must be born again. Now, again, to use the analogy of birth, did you ask your parents for permission to be born? You just showed up. You may not like them for having given you life, especially when you're about 12, 13, 14. You know, your parents can't do anything right, including you. But you didn't have any say in your birth, just like, in essence, you don't have any say in your second birth. It is God who causes that birth. But Jesus says, you want to know the way? You have to be born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Want to know how can a man be born when he's three days old? I mean, the, uh, the amount of age doesn't matter. Once you're born, you're born. He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Not only can you not see it, you can't enter it. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I have said to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So it is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Now, Jesus can tell him of heavenly things. Jesus can speak of earthly things, not only because he lived and walked among us, but because he was the word that created it all. But he also can tell of heavenly things because he is the Son of God who came to earth. He knows exactly what's there. He knows exactly who's there, and he knows exactly how to get there. He has the authority to tell us because he was there. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from the heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, I've been there. This is personal discussion. As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Then the passage that everyone seems to know, for God, once you understand this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, and he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So Jesus tells us, how is it that you arrive in heaven? By being born again. 
Paul tells us how that happened. Because God, being rich in his mercy, sent his son to be a sacrifice for you and me. But this one who was a sacrifice for you and me did not stay in the grave. And he rose from the dead. He was dead, but now alive. And he, because of that, has caused those of us who believe to be dead in our sins and trespasses, to be spiritually dead and to be made alive. And notice he said that he has given through that eternal life. Which means it doesn't stop. For you see, the promise that Jesus in his resurrection demonstrates to us is not that we live, die, and live again. Is that we live, our body ceases to function for a while, and then as we, and while we're waiting for that, we dwell in the presence of God, and then that there will come a day when just as Jesus' body was raised from the dead, so will ours, and our spirit and our body will be reunited, and we will always be with the Lord. We don't live, die, and live again. We have eternal life. So on this first fruits, this Easter, this resurrection day, we celebrate his resurrection. But for you and I who are believers, we celebrate our resurrection. That we were dead and now alive. And that we will always be alive. That's why it was such a great statement that was repeated by people who weren't even believers when Billy Graham, before he died, said, when you hear of my death, don't believe it. I'll be more alive then than I've ever been. Because he understood the one that he put his trust in, that he believed in, that he knew. You see, so many people say, well, I just don't get it. How is it you have this blind faith? I don't have blind faith. I have faith because he has allowed me to see things that are unseen. I don't believe because I hope for something. I believe because he's told me something. And he's told me in such a way that by his life, death, and resurrection, and by the fact that he has told me that he will never leave me nor forsake me, and that I've gotten just a glimpse of who he is. Just as Moses said, show me who you are. Those of us who believe have seen just a little bit of who he is. We've seen a little bit of his glory. We've seen a little bit of his mercy. We've seen a little bit of his love. And it's going to overwhelm us at one point. But we've seen enough of it not to simply believe, but to know. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I committed this. And why he wants it, I don't know. But he loves me more than I can imagine. Against that day. So, if you don't know this one that we call Lord, I encourage you to consider the evidence. To allow the Spirit 
to come and speak to you. All so often we look for advice. Should I go this way or should we go that way? And let's face it, most of the people who want you to go in the wrong direction have no clue where they're going. They're just happy that you're along with them. But they don't know where they're destined. Or you can ask advice to the one who's been in heaven and is there now, who has promised to prepare a place for you and come again to take you home. I'm going to go along with the wisdom of the guy who's alive. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I may not like the way you send us. I'm supposed to love people that don't love me. I'm supposed to forgive people who don't forgive me. I'm supposed to do things and wash their feet for people who don't appreciate me. Yeah. So I call him Lord. And since he's been further down the road than I and knows the direction, then I'm going to follow his advice, his direction, and cling to him. And to state not just that I believe, but that I know. And in a moment, we're going to sing we believe because we believe that the Father loves us. And we believe that the Spirit dwells in us. And we believe that the Son of God was resurrected. And by believing in that, I too will have eternal life. So I encourage you, if you do believe, to celebrate not just what happened almost 2,000 years ago. It did happen, and we ought to celebrate. But just as the Jews, when they celebrate Passover at this time, they don't celebrate something that happened a long time ago, though it happened a long time ago. They celebrate the fact that they have been made free from the slavery of Egypt. They make it personal. Today we should celebrate, not that Jesus rose from the dead some almost 2,000 years ago, but that we, because of his resurrection, have risen from the dead. It ought to be a celebration. We ought to be happy. We ought to be ecstatic. We, ought to be, we shouldn't be able to be contained by it. Rather than just going, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. It was a pretty good show for a quarter. So my invitation for you today is not just to sing the song, but as we celebrate as we leave, and as we celebrate the rest of the day, and as we celebrate when people try to bring us down because of the world's problems and all of the heartaches and the sin and the illnesses, and all the other things that we experience and how Satan tries to bring us down, we still celebrate 
And Monday morning, when you don't want to get out of bed because you're tired, you still celebrate the resurrection. And when you get off of work, you celebrate the resurrection because this isn't all that there is. This is just a beginning. Celebrate with me. Because I suspect, I don't care what kind of party you've ever gone to that you thought was awesome. Wait till we all get to heaven. What an awesome party that will be. And we will celebrate his resurrection. We will celebrate your resurrection. We'll celebrate my resurrection. And we'll celebrate people's resurrection we don't even know yet. But we'll have a whole lot of opportunity to know because we will be there for eternity. And all God's people said,